Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Having a versatile, high-quality piece of clothing feels great. But having a whole closet full of favorites feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code staple two zero. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Sitting in the guest co-host chair is Bennett Hip at Bennett Hip. Today's guest is Dane Brugler. He's the NFL draft analyst for The Athletic. The best in the business, for my money. Going to talk about DK Metcalf, Greg Little, A.J. Brown. The draft, the first round at least, is a week away. Is that what you're most excited about right now, sports-wise? Yeah, I think so. You know, this is the good time of the draft where it's the visits are done and now all the boards kind of scouting stuff is done and now you're just kind of waiting for the actual draft to get here so it's in that kind of last little run up to the draft and uh, there's other stuff going on but i definitely think that's kind of the big story right now is we're a week out or so i I think it's gonna be uh it's gonna be interesting thursday night there's not a whole lot of consensus at the top of the draft after the first couple picks so it should be pretty fun to watch DK Metcalf made the ESPN rounds on Wednesday, including first take with Stephen A. Smith. Check this out. You haven't seen me yet. Like you haven't seen a DK Metcalf in the league yet. So uh, I'm just gonna be me, go in there and just you know do do whoa, it. Whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean we haven't seen you yet? We 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 we. I mean we haven't seen you personally, but the from the Jerry Rices of the world to the tos of the world to the randy mosses of the world to the calvin johnson calvin johnson of, of the world julio I mean, jones I'm the big saying, strong dude. i mean i gave you four different like right. di- diverse individuals at the wide receiver spot who were very very special yeah, right. so i'm saying what is it that you're gonna add that they never provided you haven't seen a 6-3 230 run a 4-3-3 with a 40.5 inch vertical no i haven't seen that no, i haven't seen that that's a good point Confidence is not lacking for DK Metcalf. Held his own. Did you like that arrogance, that confidence from DK Metcalf? I kind of dug it. See, I, I did too. I also didn't. I didn't see it as really arrogance because you know maybe the the best receiver in the draft stuff, sure. But in terms of DK saying the NFL has never really never never really seen a receiver like me, he's right. I mean. You look at DK, he's 6'3", he's 230 pounds. He ran a 4'3", whatever, and you know he's not the most agile guy. There's just not a comparison for him from a athletic kind of testing standpoint. And you can look at Calvin Johnson and some guys like that, and they're similar. But you know, from purely just like trying to figure out who he compares best to, like if you look at um, mock draftable does, they take all the combine data and they put it into like a spider graph and they give you comparisons. And usually a lot of guys have a guy that's a 95, 90% comparison. The, the top comparison for DK Metcalf is 66 and a half percent. There's just, there's not a guy that matches up really well to DK's profile. So I, I think he's totally right that the NFL has not seen a receiver like him. Um, so I, I thought it was really funny. I, I thought there's not a ton of guys at his age they can confidently go back and forth with Stephen A. and win the conversation. He did, so so good for him. DK bringing receipts, his vertical, his forty time. Just his listen size. to the resume, man. That's you know that's that's the thing. That's He's what you got- have to do this time of the year if you're a top NFL draft prospect, as DK is. You have to sell yourself. You're playing for two things: your first contract. And your second contract, you got to brand yourself to get drafted as highly as possible in the first round so that you can actually get some decent money. And then the second contract comes from performance. So you're going to have to put these words into action, of course, 
but he's doing what he's supposed to do right now, and that's sell well, himself it, and build it's the brand. Funny because the the common like you, you talk to somebody and. I think the common thing would be like, oh, yeah, be humble, be kind of modest. But no. the, the NFL is different because if he goes on the national shows and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I think I'm all right. Like, you know, there's a lot of good receivers in this draft. The NFL will be like, oh, he doesn't think he's good. You know, what is his deal? Is he you know mentally weak? Is he, um, you know, what's his deal? And they'll drop him down. But so you've got to go out and, and be confident and sell yourself. And, you know, you're a big time wide receiver and the wide receivers of the NFL whether it's Antonio Brown or Odell Beckham, those guys, um, they have big personalities. They also have big games to match them. And, and so I think DK kind of fits in perfectly there of a guy that um, has a big game, is going to do special things in the NFL, but also um, knows how to play the game and talk the talk and is going to sell himself and, and put that persona out there as well. I read the Sports Illustrated story with DK. I think I got it off of your Twitter account. I think you retweeted it. Yeah, and Jonathan Jones, um, SI, used to cover the Panthers. Uh, he was down in Oxford a couple weeks ago yeah. um, and did that story on him. So I read that. Have those questions that NFL teams ask these prospects, the bizarre ones, the nutty ones, have they jumped the shark? For an NFL team to ask DK Metcalf, are you trying to get into modeling or something? What? What? Yeah, I don't. He's, tra- he's I, trying to be as physically fit in the best physical shape of his life. Dude loves working out. I like to sit on my ass and play video <laughs> games and eat. He likes to work out and be the best physical specimen he can well, be. I, I don't. You, I don't understand what NFL teams want them to do because yeah. it's a for you know it's not a for us as fans. It's a it's a combine. It's a workout. It's drills. For them, it's a job interview. It, this would be like me or you going into a job interview. And having done all the research and everything and know all the answers and the guy being like, oh, are you trying to you trying to take my job? Are you trying to do this? And I'm like, no, I, I, I tried to prepare myself as well as I could for the, the interview so I can get this one. And so I, I think with DK, it's it's pretty common sense. The, the combine was his job interview and he knew that getting in the best shape that he can would be the best way to ace that job interview. And he did it. I don't, I don't understand how that could possibly be turned into a negative and asking him. And if you'd ever met or know DK, the thought that he would ever go into modeling and be that kind of, you know, person, he's very low key. He's pretty humble. Like it's just, it, it doesn't make any sort of sense that a team would kind of go down that line of questioning. Yeah. It's like, no man, come on, come on. You've jumped the he, shark with these questions. He just wants to play football, Stop. and he, he, he put himself in the best shape he can to do so. How dare this person get in his best physical shape and try to <laughs> right? be the best player I, he I just, can be? It just cracks me up that the, the things the NFL tries to do to to overanalyze and psych themselves out about guys. It's, it's why the, the draft process goes on for too long, because at some point teams are just trying to find reasons to knock guys down a board or, or find negatives about them. Sedane Brugler, the NFL draft analyst for the Athletics, coming up in just a little bit. Ole Miss basketball signed one player on Wednesday, the first day of the spring signing period for the 2019 class. That player, of course, was Austin Crowley, four-star wing, a big get, the number 69 player in the country. He committed last week and puts his signature on some paper to be an Ole Miss Rebel on Wednesday. Who's left? Kadeem Sai is obviously the next big name on the board. He visits April 23rd through the 26th. That's next week. They've got other visits lined up as well. One spot available. Is that the most important Ole Miss athletics development happening right now? I think so because I think the issue becomes if you don't land Kadeem Sai, I don't know where Ole Miss would turn. I know they have another visit schedule with the big man, but I I think Sai is the last guy that I I would feel pretty comfortable about bringing in and him being uh, a full-time starter or, or a guy that can play big minutes for you and make your team appreciably better. So I, I think just because of the lack of other options on the board, he he becomes incredibly important uh, for Ole Miss basketball and, and what they want to do next season. They've got a lot of prospects left. One to keep an eye on should Cy not go Ole Miss's way is, I don't want to mispronounce his name, but I'm going to. Ahan Demir, Drexel gradu- graduate transfer, 6'9", 232, averaged 14.8 points, 6.4 rebounds last season. That's another one he's expected to visit. There are also a couple of 2020 options that could reclassify. Can't get into that one too much, but there are other additions that could happen. My question mm-hmm. is, if you land Cy, you're filled up. If one or two of these other guys want to come, are you really going to turn them down? It's the same question I had 
a week or two ago when Joey Brunk and Kadeem Sai were both on the board. Now, Brunk has gone ahead and committed to Indiana. He's staying back close to home. Right. But I think that's the biggest question right now. They didn't – Brunk made the decision for them in that situation. But if all of these guys, Demir, a 2020 guy, whoever it might be, wants to come, are you really going to say no? Right, exactly. And I think it's just trying to figure out roster balance and trying to figure everything out. You know, I don't I don't think they're um, at, at the top for Demir, but he's a really good player. He's a guy that at Drexel um, did a lot for them, uh, took a lot of shots, a uh, really good rebounder, both offensively and defensively, um, has some handle, some vision as a passer, uh, can block some shots. Um, you know, he's pretty efficient inside two point range. He can stretch out to three. He's not particularly good at it, but just from a spacing perspective, he can step out and shoot it. He shot 71 threes last year, um, shot him at a 28% rate. So not great, but he's already out there. So you would think in theory, you could make him, you know, improve that a little bit. So it's, um, it's a fascinating thing because you only have so many spots, but there are a lot of guys that, you know, end of the day they call you up and say hey i want to come and i want to you know do this right now and i think Kermit would have to think long and hard about it because you know the, it, it's a credit to them they're recruiting at such a high level that they've got so many high caliber options it's going to be hard um to tell guys no uh, you know it's not like you're telling a, a mediocre prospect hey it's not not going to work out whatever um these are pretty high level guys with a lot of uh, interest and a lot of talent and it's going to be really tough to end of the day tell those guys, hey, we, we can't make it work. If he was making a decision right now, Kadeem Sai would be an Ole Miss Rebel. Of course, mm-hmm. he's not making his decision right now, not today. There's a lot of recruitment left for him. He visited Pittsburgh last weekend. I think right now it's Ole Miss and Pitt as the top two. LSU and Will Wade being back involved, that's concerning because for the most part of the last year, it was LSU and Ole Miss. So that could come into play. But right now, Ole Miss is the only other visit scheduled for sides. his last one. That's a good thing. Yeah, I know Arkansas is trying to get in there with Eric Musselman um, doing what he does, taking JUCOs, taking transfers. Uh, but it, it certainly seems like Ole Miss will have a, a, a chance to kind of shut things down. He feels like can... the missing piece. He does. He does. He, he's felt like the missing piece for, for a long time now. You know, he's a guy that does a lot of things. And I think if you were to kind of draw up your ideal big man for Kermit Davis, I think Cy does a lot of those, checks a lot of those boxes. You know, he can rebound. Uh, he can stretch out and shoot. He has some handle. Um, it, it's just uh, he ha- has a lot of things that Ole Miss didn't have last year in a, in a post player. And I think could really unlock a lot of things, um, open up some spacing, just do a lot of things that Ole Miss – didn't have the luxury of last year and could really uh, take this offense to another level. I love the fascination with Kadeem Sai. I go to the Rebel Road Trip stop in Tupelo yesterday just to talk to the coaches before they go in. And pretty general stuff. I'll have some stories up on the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com over the next couple of days from it. But it was funny as I'm standing outside the bus talking to some Ole Miss people like Kyle Campbell for – Ole Miss Media Relations, and Ross Bjork just about season tickets. I can talk about that for a second in a minute if you want me to. But uh, we're just sitting there just chatting. And it's funny when fans come up and go, hey, Ben, how you doing? Oh, I'm good. Nice to meet you. So are we getting Kadeem Sai? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Once you ask the guy that you're about to walk in and listen to, you know? Right, exactly. he can't, He's not going to tell you because he can't talk about any of these prospects right now, and he doesn't. And it's funny because they'll ask – me and then they'll ask Kermit. He's like, "Well, you know, we 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 can't talk about prospects. I just want to say we're recruiting as hard as we can and try to make Ole Miss the best it can be." And then, of course, the next person comes up. Hey, Ben, how you doing? We getting Kadeem Saw? There's an obsession with Kadeem Saw. I don't know when it happened, but the movement uh, is strong you know, for Kadeem Saw. Yeah, I think it's a, a couple of different things. I, I think obviously last year's team was very guard heavy and you know KJ stepped up and Blake had some good games but for the most part it was a uh, you know TD and Devontae Shuler and, and Bree and Tyree show and I think also Ole Miss fans like a prefer a style of basketball uh, that is a little less guard heavy and has a has a quality big man that can shoot and, and also play defense I, I think Ole Miss fans like those teams with Murphy Holloway and Reggie Buckner and going back guys like that. So I think there's a natural fascination and a natural inclination to like guys like Kadeem Sai, given his size and, and stature and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of a perfect storm. But, yeah, it's definitely more attention for a Juco big man than you would typically expect uh, for from the Ole Miss fan base so far. Joey Brunk was a perfectly capable 
strong transfer candidate. He stayed close to home. Can't fault him there. I wrote this great story I thought about about him, and I was excited about it, excited to post it. Got no traffic all that much as far as people commenting on it. And then on Twitter, I think the first response was, well, what about Cy? Oh, okay. okay. Y'all, y'all just, y'all just want well, to you know, I think if you put on the tape of the two of them, they're just kind of very different players. Like I think you watch the the tape from Juco at, at Daytona state and you see Cy and he's doing, you know, he's handling the ball. He's dunking, he's blocking shots. He's super athletic. He's long. I'm just um, saying Jordan, if, if almost does land him, He's going to have to be balling from jump. Oh, no doubt. He's got a huge reputation he's building. He's going to have some expectations to live up to. There's no doubt. Uh, But you put on the the tape of Joey Brunk, and he's, you know, he's uh, just a little less flashy, a little bit more workmanlike. He's got a, um, you know, more of a ground game compared to Kadeem Sai. It's just, you know, if you put the two of them next to each other and watch them play, one obviously is going to be a little bit more flashy and catch your eye than the other. So it's, uh, but you're right. You know, if Ole Miss does land him, uh, it's not going to be your typical Juco big man. There are going to be a lot of expectations for him to be good and be good immediately. I, I think he can be. He's very talented. Uh, he's easily right. marketable. He goes by dream. Oh, God, there's so <laughs> many options there. Good branding there. Yeah, dig that's it. Good, that's good stuff. Yeah, I dig that. I dig that. All right, so you said, I think, that Demir almost wasn't all that high for him. Where are you getting that from? Uh, I just, you know, from the the visits that he's visiting uh, Minnesota or somewhere, somewhere like that, uh, just seems like he's kind of focusing elsewhere. Um, but, you know, he's a guy that if Ole Miss does get him on campus and decides that they want to bring him in, yeah, he's visiting, uh, visiting Minnesota. Um, so I, I think he's a guy that um, could give you a lot of stuff. He's a good player, very physical, good rebounder, does a lot of the dirty stuff, but also – has some can really pass it. Has a really good assist rate. Um, can box some shots. And and again, I think kind of like with Joey Bronk, Ole Miss thought that they could bring him in and kind of open up his you know three you know three game from the offensive side of the ball. I think they could possibly think the same thing with Demir um, as a guy that already knows how to step out and shoot, just has to get better at it. So seems like Minnesota's the big focus there. Visiting this weekend to see what he does. Um, Texas Tech, A and M, Pitt. Uh, Georgetown kind of involved there as well, but just kind of seems like the Golden Gophers have his eye at the moment. It's incredible to watch the evolution of Ole Miss basketball recruiting. Austin Crowley, Sammy Hunter, Bryce Williams, Rodney Howard, and Tavian Collum. Old days, that'd have been enough. And if you would have finished off with an Austin Crowley, Ole Miss fans would have been over the moon excited about what he brings. But now they want more. The expectation being risen and the quality of prospect they're in on. I love how it's evolved to where fans well, I, I think, want um, the next I, guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, they I do have a hole at the five. I'm not diminishing it. I'm saying, no, simply no, saying like, I, I like I to think, see, I like uh, to see the evolution of it. I think it's cool. I actually think the way that's happened with the focus being on getting a big man and, um, Crowley not signing in the fall, signing with Vanderbilt, getting out of the LOI, uh, when Bryce got fired, I actually think he's kind of under the radar. I don't think people are appreciating enough, how good of a player he can be, how big of an impact he can have. And the fact that you know that's a consensus top 100 player that got out of his LOI and just came to Ole Miss and Ole Miss locked it down. I mean, they, they didn't, he didn't visit anywhere else. Um, Ole Miss didn't mess around there. They put themselves in good shape uh, back in, in the summer when they were recruiting him before he signed. And they obviously had the connection with Blake Henson. And, you know, when he got out of the LOI, Ole Miss was right there and locked it down. It's a really impressive job by them. And I think he's going to be a guy that really, really surprises people. I think not a people, not enough people are making a big enough deal about how good he is and how good he can be and, and what all he can do for Kermit. Yeah, and Kermit mentioned that yesterday because he can talk about Austin Crowley now. Basketball IQ through the roof. He said at breakfast on his official visit, he sat there and just talked with Kermit about basketball strategy not players or anything like that just strategy for like an hour 45 minutes to an hour a lot like Blake Kinson as far as maturity is concerned but the basketball IQ is high and he's versatile he could play the three the two the one depending on what happens with Schuler and Tyree I fully expect both of them to be back but regardless both of them expected back I think Schuler, this is his last year I think that's going to be his last Ole Miss year so Crowley could certainly get the ball in his hands and handled well, the offense. He's a uh, he's a guy that you look at him and he's got plenty of length and athleticism and it's kind of what Kermit wants to build a, a bunch of guys that are interchangeable, 
um, that are not, you know, you're not going to go into games feeling undersized on the perimeter like Ole Miss has been in the past. And, you know, he's a guy, you know, he's a guy that Ole Miss can do a lot of things with. Like you said, can play the point, can put him on the wing. You know, if he's, uh, you know, if he's not playing well offensively, he's still a guy that can give you something on the defensive end of the back of the court. So I think he just has a lot, checks a lot of boxes for them and, and can really be a really big piece. So uh, I thought it was a really good get and it kind of flew under the radar somehow, uh, but it, it shouldn't. He's really good. Ole Miss basketball recruiting is rolling. You got the NFL draft in a week. Ole Miss baseball goes to Auburn. Feels like a big series coming up. It does. Auburn's really good pitching it. Um, it that's going to be a, a tough one on the road for them. And uh, is, it, I, I just really don't know what to make of this Ole Miss team. They, you know, they'll have a big series and then they'll go and stumble a little bit and they'll bounce right back. And maybe they're just going to be inconsistent and, and that kind of stuff. Um, but I thought obviously Kentucky was a disappointment. So if they can go and somehow get two or three on the road, get back home to Oxford with a double decker coming up next weekend, I think that'd be pretty big, but easier said than done, obviously. What are you most watching for this week in Ole Miss sports? This week? I mean, I, I kind of guess it has to be baseball just because, you know, Kadeem Sai didn't come in until next week for his visit. Um, oh, so know. if Sai was coming in this week, it'd be Sai. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, th- that's a big piece for them. Um, like we kind of said all along, they needed to improve on the interior. Kermit's made that a priority um, since the season ended. And, you know, the fact that they need a, a guy that can not only come in and, and help them out, but a guy that can come in and, and be a full-time player and give them a lot of minutes and just jump right in. I, I think he's a huge priority. So if his visit was this weekend and not next week, I think he would be – number one for me for sure but um with that said i think bas- or baseball for sure if they can go and get two somehow um they're in pretty good shape coming back it's it's not pretty it's you know but um just kind of pile up wins as best as you can as we're recording this boom i'm checking out twitter jarkel joiner has announced he's joining the oldest basketball program before anyone asks no that doesn't mean anything for kadeem Sai. i don't expect him to go on scholarship immediately and i'll leave it at that but joiner what is his profile how does he fit whether he has to sit a year or he's available now, the profile is the same. Um, he's a guy that comes in and, and gives you some offense off the bench. Um, doesn't have great size. Um, doesn't give you a whole lot in terms of, of assists or anything like that, but he can score the basketball. He can get to the foul line. Um, he gives you some steals on defense, but he can shoot it from three. He was 37% last year in conference play, 36% um, overall. He's And he's a guy that went to Cal out there with Rob Barnes, Cal State Bakersfield. Um, was not great as a freshman, put up some counting stats, but wasn't great. Got better as a sophomore, credit to him, and um, really kind of advanced his game. Doesn't turn the ball over, gives you some instant offense off the bench. So if that's a guy that you're kind of getting for free or is in the back end of your roster, you're doing pretty well. I think he can definitely help you in a in a role that just allows him to go out there, score some points, come out, and just kind of give you some energy. So from that aspect, he um, I think it's a good addition just because – he can never have enough offense, and that's a guy that can kind of score at all three levels. So um, good for him. He obviously wanted to come back closer to home, and he can't get any closer now, so good for him. He desperately wanted to come home. He's Devontae Shuler light. Offense is similar as far as perimeter shooting, some improvement can be made there, can really drive the basketball, a good rebounding guard. Defensively, has to get better. That's where he's not Devontae Shuler. That's why he's Devontae Shuler light. But as far as his offensive profile – very similar in that regard but defensively yeah, I mean, you, he has a long way to go you, you look at, at last year um at bakersfield you know his, his best game of the season came against gonzaga or for me it was this you know his best game i guess you could say grand canyon up there with, as well but uh for me you know scoring 24 against gonzaga he was eight of 13 from two two of five from three two of two at the line um that was his best game so he's got some talent you don't score 20 plus points against gonzaga without being good you know, he was um, 37% from behind the arc as a, as a sophomore, um, 49% from two. He was just over 70% from the line. So he's a, he's a useful offensive player, and it's just kind of about finding a role for him that allows him to do that and also improving his game on the defensive side of the ball to, uh, to where he can really become something more than just a gunner off the bench. And maybe maybe you don't do that and you just let him do what he does and just let him cook offensively. But um, I, my guess would be Kermit would also say, hey, we're going to try and fix on some of the things that he didn't do well. And, and I'm interested to see how it works because he was the guy at Bakersfield. There was a lot of pressure on him. He was their entire offense. 
And I wonder how his game changes being um, not have to be relied on to produce as much as he did out there um, for Rod Barnes. Again, not expected to go on scholarship immediately. Ole Miss still has one scholarship available. But something to follow will be whether or not Jarkel Joyner is granted immediate eligibility. It feels like everyone's being granted immediate eligibility these days. That waivers are just being handed out like candy. It does. Um, you know, that's, you know, it started in football and now it's kind of carried over to basketball. And uh, so I'm, and I'm interested to see if he tries for it or if Ole Miss would prefer him to just sit out the year. I don't know what Kermit wants to do there from a roster standpoint. Um, so I'm interested to see what he does, but you certainly can't rule it out. if he It, would, it would help to one. have him. It would help to have him. Sure, sure. You don't know the health of Franco Miller. Right, exactly. Don't. That's where I was going to go. Yeah. You know, it it kind of takes some pressure off of Franco Miller, whether he's you know going to be able to get healthy or not. Becomes a little less of, pro- of a priority um, to get healthy as soon as possible, knowing that you have a guy like Jarkel who can come in, has experience playing at the college level, and can kind of give you um, maybe not quite 100 percent of what Franco Miller would do at his peak, but pretty close. I think it's just it's just kind of hard to know just because we've never seen uh, Franco be healthy. So, uh, but yeah, that's if you, that's your kind of backup insurance policy. It's a pretty good one to have, I think. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Going down to Dane Brugler. He's the best NFL draft analyst out there. Writes for The Athletic at DP Brugler on Twitter. But if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. We're also available in SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions. And soon to be back on Rebel Sports Radio. Not exactly sure when that's going to happen, but should be soon. More details to come there. The podcast brought to you by Thomas Chandler, your modern woodman representative. If you need help financially, contact Thomas today. He'll help you with retirement, savings, getting your financials in order. He's done it for me. He can do it for you. So what does Modern Woodman do? How about financial security for you and your family through life insurance, retirement planning, financial services? How about quality family life through member benefits and local fraternal activities? Community impact through local volunteer projects that make a difference where members live, work, and play. If your finances are bogging you down as they were for me, Contact Thomas today. He's a personal friend. He's the one to talk to. 662-296-0186. 662-296-0186. To learn more, go to www.modernwoodman.org. That's www.modernwoodman.org. Thomas Chandler, your Modern Woodman representative. The podcast also brought to you by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. I hate the car buying process. Cannot stand it. It overwhelms me. It's easy for a salesman to get one over on me. Hey, uh, this is a good deal for you. Okay, cool, thanks. I'm not good at haggling. And that's why Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is the only place for me to go. And first of all, anybody that's listened to this podcast for any length of time knows, I do not vouch for sponsors I truly don't believe in. But the car buying process with Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is second to none, believe me. If you're like me, you're simply just looking to get the best deal. And if that's the case, to avoid the headache... Head on over to Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. They're going to take care of you and get you into your next vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory is priced to sell, and what separates them is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you. It's probably not going to help all that much, but it'll be cool for me, and they'll probably want to talk about spring football or basketball recruiting or the Ole Miss baseball season. But more importantly, they'll want to make the process as seamless as possible, that you get what you want at a good price. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. Stop by and see them today at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. Time now to go to the Cheney's Pharmacy phone line to speak to Dane Brugler. He's the NFL Draft Analyst for The Athletic, at DP Brugler on Twitter, the best NFL Draft Analyst out there. Dane, the NFL Draft is a week from today. Will an Ole Miss Rebel make his way into the first round of the NFL Draft? It's a very good question, and one that I, I am also interested in knowing the answer because, you know, Greg Little, um, the offensive tackle who – is extremely talented. Uh, you know, you watch him, uh, the thing that teams are struggling with, and what I struggled with when I watched him, uh, some games you watch him and you see the foot quickness. You see, uh, you know, the snap out of his uh, stance, uh, ability to pass protect, protect the edge, uh, relaxed punch. Uh, but then you watch other games and you just don't see the balance. Uh, you know, he's kind of off kilter. Um, you know, the awareness isn't always there. And he needs to be more of 
just a, a glass eater. You know, he needs to be tougher. Just want to see more aggression in his game. So in a lot of ways, it reminds me of Ronnie Stanley, who uh, the Ravens drafted top 10 a couple of years ago. I don't think that he's going to go top 10, but the big question will be, does he go in the late, in the second half of the first round? Uh, where we are right now, the, knowing that the way tackles are viewed in the NFL, I'll say that he sneaks in there. Uh, it will be a first round pick because I think he has the potential to be a long time starter in the NFL and uh, all 32 teams need offensive line help. And so I think Greg Little can help a team. The projections for DK Metcalf are all over the place right now. Some have him as a top 10 pick, others as a late first rounder. AJ, there's more of a consensus there. Late first rounder, early second. You have Greg Little as a first rounder. What about DK and AJ? Yeah, I, I do. And, I, you know, I with Metcalf, uh, the opinions are all over the place. Um, you know, I think that most teams view him as, if not the first, then the second receiver um, off the board. Uh, he's just, he's better, he's more of a physical freak than he is a polished receiver. And, you know, that's something that will bother some teams, but not as much for others. So with DK Metcalf, yes, six, three and a half, 228 pounds, a four, three athlete. Uh, but in terms of his route running, in terms of, you know, using that power down the field, you don't always see it. And it's something that he needs to work on to be more consistent at the next level. And I, I think anybody that is expecting, uh, you know, an, a Julio Jones type of player, they're going to be disappointed, but DK can grow into, you know, a solid starting NFL wide receiver. Uh, it just might take a little bit of time before he, uh, you know, develops that. So but I, I still think that there's a good chance he goes in the first round. It just, it's, it's going to be right there at the end. And AJ Brown, I think he should go in the first round. I think he's right there with DK Metcalf. Uh, he's, it's funny. He's uh, three uh, inches shorter, but he's only two pounds uh, lighter. I mean, he is a thick guy. The speed, he's under four or five in the 40 yard dash. Uh, he can play inside, can play outside. Uh, natural route runner, natural hands catcher. I mean, I think that AJ Brown is capable of making a Juju Smith Schuster type of impact early in his career. Uh, wherever he ends up. So I think both DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, good chance that they go uh, Thursday night. If they don't, they're going pretty quickly uh, on Friday, but I think they both have a good chance to go late uh, in the first round. If you had to buy stock in one, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, which stock are you buying? Uh, if I had to buy a stock now, DK Metcalf is my top ranked receiver, uh, because of the upside. But if I'm buying stock and I have to, uh, you know, I look at it a little differently, I, if I'm going with the more sure bet, I'm going with AJ Brown. I feel much more comfortable that he's going to be the guy. Um, if I want to go with the high upside, um, I'm going with DK Metcalf. So I think it really just depends on, you know, your appetite. If you're going to really shoot for the fences, go for the home run. I think you go DK Metcalf, but if you're okay with a double off the wall, then AJ Brown's your guy. And so, you know, I, I think it really just depends on your appetite, what you're looking for. If you need someone that's, uh, you know, more ready to contribute from day one, then I think A.J. Brown is more suited to do that. But if you're building a team with a young quarterback and, you know, you have time, you know, like the Baltimore Ravens where they have a young quarterback, they, they could absolutely use someone that could, uh, you know, be ready from day one, but they could also use someone that could grow with their young quarterback, Lamar Jackson. So D.K. Metcalf would make sense. So I think it all depends on your appetite, um, kind of wide receiver you're looking for. All right, let's find some good fits for these players. Where does DK Metcalf fit best? Well, on, on tape, obviously at Ole Miss, uh, a lot of downfield routes, uh, a lot of, uh, you, you know, verticals, one-cut routes, uh, you know, curls, things like that. And so I'd love to see him in an offense that's going to take advantage of that. Um, and, you know, maybe that isn't the Ravens because of uh, the way they run that offense. Uh, a lot of tight ends, a lot of, you know, 22 personnel, uh, those types of things. So, I'd uh, love to see Metcalf in an offense that goes vertical, whether, you know, that's, uh, you know, a team picking in the late first round, uh, trying to think, the, you know, what would be the best fit for him there. Um, let me pull up the order here, actually. Do it that way. You see a lot of uh, Packers with DK. Yeah, I mean, obviously, with Aaron Rodgers in the fold, you know, they, they like to move the ball deep. I think that with the Packers, they have a lot of, you know, taller, uh, speed guys already. I don't, you know, I think if they want to collect a basketball team, you know, they could certainly go that route. Uh, I think you have to look at the Raiders, uh, you know, with Derek Carr and, you know, John Gruden likes to uh, throw the ball downfield, pair him with Antonio Brown, uh, the Raiders with two picks in the twenties. I don't think you could rule that out. Um, you know, the Eagles at 25, 
Alshon Jeffrey kind of already fills that role, but it, you know, if they're looking to move on from him um, at some point in the next uh, year or two, DK Metcalf can be ready to step into that role. So I think the the Eagles uh, might be on the short list. So uh, really any offense that's really willing to push the ball downfield, I think Metcalf makes sense. You already mentioned AJ and the Ravens, and I think that's the perfect fit. So I won't go into more detail about him. Greg Little, though, uh, left tackle seems to be across the board, a black hole right now in the NFL. So like you said, Greg Little could work his way into the first round. So what's the best fit for him? I think you look at a team like the Chargers, um, uh, who they have Russell Okung, uh, you know, stead at, at left tackle, but they have a hole, a hole at right tackle. And, uh, you know, Greg Little's a guy that come in, compete for reps right away, and eventually move back over to left side and be the long-term starter uh, at left tackle. So, and I think, uh, you know, you look at the Rams, uh, Andrew Whitworth, uh, he's coming back for one more year. Uh, presumably. And then, you know, I think Greg Little could be in a position where he can sit and learn from one of the best uh, tackles we've seen the last decade in the NFL. And then maybe next year when uh, Whitworth moves on, uh, Little's ready to step into that role. So I think there are some interesting fits for him in that late first round range that could absolutely make sense. Dawson Knox's draft stock is pretty fascinating to me. Where does he project right now? Because for a while, it looked like a mid-round guy. Is he still in that same range? Yeah, you know, I think he's, uh, I think he's going to go off the board somewhere in the top 80 picks. I think someone uh, is really going to bet on that athleticism. Uh, he really did a nice job at his pro day. He really, I think, swayed a lot of people with the four, five, eight, forty-yard dash and just the way he caught the football. I think that really made a difference for him, for a lot of uh, a lot of uh, teams that were, you know, kind of on the fence about a player that didn't have a single touchdown catch in his career. Uh, wasn't a big part of an offense that liked to put the ball through the air. So, uh, you know, is that just bad play calling, uh, you know, misutilization of a, a talent or is he just not, is he more talent than he is football player? And so a lot of pieces that you have to kind of put together with Dawson Knox, but the NFL, they draft traits. They, you know, more so than production or anything else. And Dawson Knox certainly has the traits. So as long as the medicals check out and, you know, everything else, I think he's going to be off the board somewhere in that, top 80 range that early third to mid third round range demarcus lodge zedrick woods javon patterson those are probably the other candidates to get drafted i mean do you like those guys anyone else kind of stick out to you yeah i think demarcus lodge reminds me a lot of marvin jones coming at it when he's coming out of cal um you know just that long linear receiver works the sideline well uh high points the football i don't think he's going to be more than a. You know, his ceiling is a number two, but, I mean, that's a pretty good ceiling to have in the NFL. Um, you know, so I think that that would make sense for him somewhere in the fifth-round range. Uh, I think it'd be good value um, at that point. Uh, Javon Patterson, I think, is probably a PFA trying to get into the later rounds. Um, you know, he worked out well. Uh, I think teams are encouraged by that. Uh, but I think he's kind of in that late-round mix. Maybe he gets drafted, maybe he doesn't. Uh, you like that he has versatility, both guard spots. He played a little bit of center. So, I mean, that's certainly working in his favor. Uh, Zedrick Woods, who ran the fastest 40-yard dash at the combine, that's going to count for something. Now, the tape isn't nearly as consistent. But, again, when you run the fastest 40-yard dash in the four twos, that even if you're only going to play on special teams, that speed is something that pops. And uh, that is something that could get him drafted late. Is Kyler Murray going number one? I think so. I think, uh, you know, when it's all said and done, the Cardinals can say what they want, but I think at the end of the day that they're going to, they're going to take Kyler Murray and, you know, move on from Josh Rosen. And uh, it's, uh, it's a fascinating dynamic, but uh, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun to see how it plays out. He's Dane Brugler, NFL draft analyst for the athletic. Check him out on Twitter at DP Brugler, the best in the business. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. Anytime. Thank you. That was Dane Brugler, the NFL Draft Analyst for The Athletic, joining us on the Cheney's Pharmacy phone line. For all your pharmaceutical needs, Cheney's Pharmacy is the place to go. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give them a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Dane Brugler of The Athletic at DP Brugler on Twitter. He's got Greg Little in the first round. He's got DK and A.J. Brown as first-rounders. Three first-rounders for Ole Miss. A.J. is not going to the draft. He wasn't invited. D.K. was. Greg Little was not. 
Greg, AJ, and DK, should they be first rounders, mm-hmm. have a better overall collective career than Laquan, Rob, and Laramie? Probably, uh, just because I think um, as much as I like Laquan, I just don't know that it's going to work out for him at the NFL level. He looks cooked. You know, it's everyone talks about the, the athleticism and the lack of speed. Uh, the hands are the bigger issue for me. You know, you can even if you can't get open, um, you got to be able to catch the ball when you do get open. And he had a bad issues with drops last year. I don't know if he just needs to change the scenery or if it's just not going to work. But I just don't know what the deal is there. And then with Rob, had a lot of flashes last year, um, had four and a half, five sacks, I think, but can't stay healthy and, you know, hasn't been able to stay healthy for a while now. And so um, I think Laramie was really great last year. I think he's going to be a, a really good left tackle for a long time, but you know, that's a one out of three hit rate. I, I think this trio of, of DK, AJ and, and Greg um, could hit higher at that. So I, I'd pick this year's three over the, over the guys from a couple years ago. The most surprising aspect of his game is the drops. I never would have expected Laquan Treadwell to be so unreliable as a pass catcher. That's the one thing you knew in college about Laquan. If you threw it anywhere in his vicinity, if it got to his hands, he was holding on. But he's not just dropping contested catches. He's dropping slants over the middle when the balls hit him in the chest. And that's the most concerning thing for him. Now, Rob's really turned the corner. Now, he can't stay on the field for any extended amount of time. Right, Laramie, he's Laramie. He's playing well. He didn't have a great rookie year. He settled in. Changed that number from the ugly 67 to 78. He's good. <laughs> He's good. He's one of the best left tackles in football. But Rob, more of a rotational player. But when he plays, he does make an impact. Laquan's the one that's the biggest disappointment. So collectively, I think with DK and AJ and Greg, they have the potential to have a better collective career. And the biggest reason why is because wide receivers, they're going to get more chances than, say, a Rob does. The one guy who's the linchpin to this, though, is DK, because he's the one where I think there's far more questions surrounding him than the other two, though he will probably go before the other two in the draft. Yeah, I think with DK, it's going to be it's tough because he's gotten all this hype and buzz from the combine and the the workout picture and all that kind of stuff. And he's being talked about as a guy that could go high in the first round. But he's not anywhere close to a finished product. You know, he's not going to be. I think if you're counting on one Ole Miss receiver to have kind of an instant impact um, in the NFL year one, I would take AJ over DK. I think AJ fits yeah. very well yeah. in multiple offenses. And I think he just has he, he can do a lot more things because he was allowed to do a lot more things. And Ole Miss did DK a disservice in the way that they used him, and it kind of stunned his development. So. Um, we know off the bat that DK is going to be able to to be physical and, and run deep and be a, a guy that can also impact things in the red zone. But he's going to learn. He's going to have to learn. It's going to take some time. And he's a guy that year one may not be super sexy, but you, you put in the development time and come year three, year four, he's going to be could be a really big player, be a monster. So it's going to be uh, patience is going to be required for whatever team, whatever fan base gets DK Metcalf. But I do believe it'll be worth the wait um, for him to when he when he does kind of develop and come into his own. You heard Dane Brugler. If he had to buy stock in one, he'd take A.J. Brown. He's more of a sure thing. And I like the comparison. D.K. could be a home run, but if you're content with a double off the wall, A.J. feels like a double off the wall, that he's just going to have that career that's sustainable. And Quan Bolden feels the most perfect comp for him to me. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Um, I, I saw someone, uh, put a Larry Fitzgerald comp on him as well. I think that kind of makes some sense. Obviously, I think AJ would be more than thrilled with a Larry Fitzgerald career. So with the team that drafted him, but I think he's just a guy that does a lot of things. Um, you know, good guy going to come in, work hard, can put him in the slot, can put him outside. Um, I think you could, if you wanted to put him in the backfield and kind of do some, some fancy stuff with him, let put, just put the ball in his hands and let him go. He could do that as well. So, um, I, I think AJ is going to have a really, really good, solid NFL career. And I think he's going to go in that range at the back end of the first round where he's going to get to a good team and they're going to put him right in a role immediately. And he's going to play a big part in some team trying to make the playoffs next year. So I think he's in a really good spot and I think he's going to do really well. Of all the rest, Javon Patterson, Zedrick Woods, Jordan Tiamu, Dawson Knox, Demarcus Lodge, which do you think could have the best NFL career of that lot? Uh, Demarcus Lodge for sure. I, I think he's, 
I'm surprised he hadn't gotten more buzz this draft process. I don't know if it's because yeah, he Dane said he's Marvin Jones as far as I, didn't, I don't know if, he, if it was because he just didn't test particularly well at the combine or if it's just the fact that all this attention has been on AJ and DK and Dawson Knox and Greg Little. He's just kind of under the radar. But I think that's a guy that if he's going in the fifth round or something like that, like that's a guy that can really come out and, and be a gym for you as a late round steal and, and be a guy that can be a number two, number three receiver for you for a long time. You know, he's got good hands, um, can run some, some deep routes, can go across the middle. I, I just think DeMarcus is such a good player. There's a lot of the things that the modern NFL kind of looks for in a receiver. He got plenty of size. So I, I think if I was going to bet on one of them, he'd be easily the, the top choice for me. I only had 10 minutes with Dane. He's got a lot going on. And I hit him up late last night basically saying, hey, man, do you got like 10 minutes? So I didn't want to keep right. him too long. But it was hard for me not to laugh. When he's going through the Dawson Knox breakdown, and he said the problem with Dawson is when you cut on the tape, deciding whether, okay, is it because of the offense or because Dawson has some work to do as far as routes are concerned? And I wanted to interject and say, Dane, I can pretty much answer that one for you. Right. It's the offense. <laughs> it's Phil Longo. That was the problem. But, again, I only had 10 minutes with him. Phil Longo is the reason why Dawson Knox's production was down. He's the reason. Sure. I, I think I think it's absolutely true. Um, because you look at everything that Dawson Knox does from an athleticism standpoint, he's got good size. I think it's very comparable to Evan Ingram. Just the, the difference is, one, played in the offense that made him a priority and utilized him very well, and the other was an afterthought and a poorly thought out, um, poorly executed scheme. So I, I think there's going to be a learning process there just because he doesn't have a ton of you know experience as a guy that catches a lot of passes. But, again, the way the NFL is moving now, where they want guys that are not just your – old school physical blocking tight ends you want guys that can split out uh can work in the slot can be a mismatch in all sorts of different ways Dawson Knox I think could be for a smart kind of forward-thinking NFL team can do a lot of things and be a really valuable guy for them okay so if Javon Patterson Zedrick was Jordan Tiamu we missing anybody really not really which one do you think could come out of the late rounds and have a sustained NFL career um, I, my guess out of those guys, um, will be Zedrick just because I think Ooh. his straight line speed was so good at the combine. I think he could car- carve out a career as a kind of rotational force safety, um, and a special teams guy, you know, he's very athletic. Um, he's will he played so many snaps at Ole Miss. He's a guy that can come out there, do the dirty work, be on the back end of your roster. Kind of what Brandon Bolden has done at the running back position. Really good guy, good teammate, um, can give you, you know, can step in and give you some carries in a pinch, but makes his money on special teams. I think Zedrick can kind of do that um, for a team that just lets him kind of go out there, be a gunner, let him run around, hit people. So I, I think Zedrick could be a guy that never going to have a, a big career or make a ton of money, but can hang around on the, on the back ends of rosters for a while um, just doing special team stuff. So that'd be my guy. I could see Javon Patterson sneaking into like sixth round and sure. making his way into a starting role at some point, though more rotationally like a, you know, Joe a, Looney. Joe Looney makes a lot of sense for him. He can play center, both guard spots. The thing about Javon is he's super smart. Um, you know, he's got pretty good size. That's the guy that I think is just going to whatever he does in life. You think he's going to be very successful. But yeah, if you told me that he kind of got around, found a spot on the roster and just hung around as a guy that came out, busted his ass and um, made it work. I wouldn't be surprised at that at all. It wouldn't surprise me one bit. I'm kind of disappointed that you didn't like my Joe Looney comparison. That's your boy. I know. I know. I think, I think it fits though. I, I think that's totally valid. I, I think, um, you know, it's so tough to tell with offensive linemen because there's all this focus on the guys that go in the first round, the big time left tackles. But, you know, whether it's the the Joe Looney's or the guy you look at, like the, the Panthers have had Andrew Norwell, who's an undrafted guy out of Ohio State um, that has become a, you know, was all pro, got a big deal elsewhere in Jacksonville. You know, you can develop guys from any number of ways on the offensive line. You don't have to be a, a top round pick to make it work. So um, for Javon, he's smart. He's tough. It's physical. Sometimes that's enough. It just has to be the right spot and the right team. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? 
Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives. Securing futures. I don't think anybody else has left that would really get drafted. Jordan's going to be an undrafted free agent. Might be a priority undrafted free agent, but he's going to be an undrafted free agent. I don't think Jordan can have a real NFL career. Just don't see it, really. I think he's a good I, I dude. Just, I, I wouldn't think so, but I, I just don't know. Um, I just want to see him. I'd like to see him in, in a different offense besides the one that he ran. All I know is that he ran the Phil Longo offense better than Shea Patterson did, and so that's something. Yeah. And you know, I guess I, I think you're right. It'll be as a as a camp guy, as a practice squad guy. Um, but again, you know, he's a guy that is a good leader. He's kind of quiet. He's not going to get into trouble. He's a guy that I think teams are going to look at. He's got you know pretty good size, all that kind of stuff. The arm may not be fantastic, but I think it's enough. To where I think someone could put him on our practice squad for a couple of years and just kind of say, "Hey, we'll see what happens. Get him out of that offense. Let him learn something else." And I wouldn't, I would never say never on him, but I, I think you're right. The odds, I think, are pretty far against him being a, you know, a, ever being a starter or even a, a career backup or anything like that. I guess we're doomed to talk about Shea forever, but you brought him up. Is he in a quarterback battle at Michigan? Um, I would just assume not because I don't think that's would end well like I just don't think that I don't we saw how the rumors of that in Oxford were not well received by the uh, Patterson clan or whatever I just can't imagine that Harbaugh would put himself through that so I, I would I would guess that Shea is going to be the starter there but he certainly didn't blow me away last year and it's um it's an odd offense you know they didn't really let him do what he does well it was more of taking Shea's talent he does have talent but putting it into what Jim Harbaugh does and it's not a perfect fit. So I'm not really sure what's going to happen, but I, I would guess he'll be the starter. I'd be surprised if he was not the starter game one for them. Dane having Kyle Kyler Murray is the first overall pick. Not surprising. I think that's going to happen. It does. Um, you know, why, why do you wait to trade Josh Rosen now? I guess he has, I mean, doesn't he have less value in the draft than he does before the draft my guess my guess would be you don't want to do anything too early like what what happens if like say tomorrow they decide hey we're taking kyler murray let's go ahead and trade josh rosen and they do it and then next week kyler murray blows out a knee or something training or working out but you have to trade him before the draft i think you trade him as soon as you pick kyler murray I, i think you take kyler murray at one and then i think you call everyone else in the in the league that needs a quarterback and say hey we just pit kyler we want your best offers let's go ahead and do this now we'll trade we're gonna but trade no one's gonna next. give you anything no one's giving anything for him now I, I think if there was a first round pick or something on the table now he'd already be gone but there's not so i, I think for them it's min, it's minimizing risk to wait another week or so do it during the draft and say hey whether it's a second or a third um you know we've got kyler murray in hand now we're good Let's go ahead and get it done. So, you know, again, I think if someone called tomorrow and said, hey, the Giants or the Raiders and said, hey, here's a first round pick, they go ahead and do it tomorrow. But absent that happening, I think they'll wait and do it during the draft and try and just kind of create a bidding war because this Kluby class is not good. So if they take Colin Murray and you can get Josh Rosen or you can draft Daniel Jones or Dwayne Haskins or Drew Locke. I'm going to take Josh Rosen all day. So perhaps there's a bidding war there. Um, but I, I'm interested to see how they kind of balance that. Because you're right, there's a, there's an argument to be had that you could, should trade him now and, and just kind of get it over with. But my guess is the wait. So you don't believe in Dwayne Haskins. I feel like he's being woefully underrated. It's just one year. Like, I just don't know. He was fine. I think he's going to be okay. I don't think he's going to be bad. I just don't know that I, I see, like, 
if he's going to go in the top 15, I'm not sure that I see the ceiling of being a, a Baker Mayfield or someone like that. That can be a really good top flight, you know, tier one, tier two starting quarterback. I'm just not sure I see it. Um, I, I can see it with Kyler Murray. I don't know that he gets there because of his size and everything, but he's got so much talent. It just kind of jumps off the page. So if I'm betting on a quarterback in this draft, I'm going to bet on Kyler Murray. But this the the class before that with Baker and Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen, guys like that, I like that class much, much better than I like this quarterback class. Every quarterback in last year's class, do they get picked over Kyler Murray? I think so. Um, Every first-round quarterback I meant. Yeah, I, I think so. I think you would have had some teams that might have preferred Kyler to, to Josh Rosen just because there was the weird stuff, the off-the-field stuff with Rosen about does he love football? Is he too smart? Again, the NFL being dumb. But my guess is, yeah, I think all the first-round quarterbacks last year would be ahead of, of Kyler Murray this year just because those guys are really good and Kyler Murray's 5'9", and it's just kind of hard to separate those. If you're the Cardinals, you screwed up because you wasted your first-round draft capital on Josh Rosen. Now you're going to do the same thing this year, and you're going to get less return on your dollar with Josh Rosen than you could if you traded him before the draft. It's not ideal, but you know, at the same time, you hired Cliff Kingsbury, and if you're going to go down that road, I think I still Kingsbury, can't believe he's an NFL head coach. I'm sorry, it's, it's kind of crazy, but I think there's a the kind of a I think there's some logic to it because we've seen the NFL now. What you do is you go and hire the hot coordinator. And so if someone had brought in Kingsbury, say the Cardinals brought in a, a different head coach, but they bring in Kingsbury as an OC and their offense is good, whether it's with Rosen or Kyler Murray or whoever, their offense is good. Someone's going to hire Cliff Kingsbury as a head coach next year. So what you go ahead and do is you just go ahead and skip that step and you make him the, make him the, the head coach. And you don't worry about someone coming in to poach him. It's the same thing the Browns do with Freddie Kitchens. Freddie Kitchens gets the interim OC job in Cleveland. They ball out. They hire him as the head coach. So I think if you're Arizona, you're you're taking a chance, but you know you're already bad. Like what's the what's the downside here? You're bad still. I mean, okay. Um, I think it could actually work. I don't know that it will, but I think there's a decent chance it does. This is Talk of Champions. I've been Garrett at Spirit. Been on Twitter. He's been at Hip. If you haven't already, subscribe rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. We're also available in SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, OMSpirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. Before we get out of here, wh- what is Auburn? Are they any good? Is Ole Miss going to win this weekend? Uh, I think they can pitch it, and they got some left-handers. And with Ole Miss, I mean, that's, uh, that's not a good recipe. hit left-handed pitching. <laughs> that's not a good recipe. So, it's um you know you're on the road it's just it's going to be a tough series but um you know this team has has surprised us before um when we kind of think they're down and and kind of going the wrong direction they'll come out and win two or three and and bounce right back so uh, it's definitely not going to be an easy weekend by any means but i don't think there's a i think there's a decent chance they can steal two out of three or at least get one and come back and feel okay about themselves if Ole Miss doesn't have to play a doubleheader it's fine (laughs) <laughs> it's when Ole Miss has to play a doubleheader right now double headers and double hand double headers and left-handed starting pitching that's the the two boogaboos for for Ole Miss lately they're slashing 214 315 274 against left-handed pitching. which is really just incredible um you know let's play fact- a game all right I'm gonna give you three guesses to tell me the top two players that hit the test against left-handed pitching for Ole Miss Oh, it's tough. I uh, know it's not Thomas Dillard. You get three guesses. Uh, I'll go. Got to land John- two of them. Cooper Johnson. No. Uh, Ryan Olenek. Yes. Um, and you got one more here. Uh, I'll go Servideo. Just. Oh, oh no, no. Servideo is the worst. He's batting 083. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. What if I told you Cole Zabowski? Was second on the team against left-handed. That's incredible. Yeah. Your one, your big left-handed bat is the guy that's hitting left-handed pitching. That's that's unbelievable. Thomas Diller, two forty. Now this is before they played Memphis, um, and I know Anthony Cervidio got a hit against a lefty against Memphis right, that right. earlier this week. But before Memphis, Thomas Diller, two forty. Greg Kessinger, one sixty. Cooper Johnson, two thirty-one. Anthony Cervidio, oh eighty-three. Tyler Keenan, one sixty-seven. Jacob Adams, 250. Chase Cockrell, 190. Tim Elko, 143. Yeah. Ryan Olenek, 308, 345, 462. That'll play. That'll and play. Cole Zabowski's 286, 375, 357. 
that'll play. You, you want some more power, obviously, but you know, beggars can't be choosers here. You'll, you'll take the OBP and, and the average and hope that the power starts to come back. But yeah, that's not great. It's, it's, it's really surprising. There's that they have so many good offensive players that you would just think, you know, you would have some guys that can hit left-handed pitching and you just can't, I don't know if it's mental. There's gotta be mental at this point, but Whatever it is, it's um, it's jarring. I'm not sure I've ever seen a split quite as big as Ole Miss has versus righty lefty. It's no longer a small sample size. It is what no, it is. it's 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 a it's a trend that um is kind of proven at this point. It's um, it, it's definitely not a small sample or anything. It's not bad luck. It's just a part of the thing, part of the deal at this point. It feels like Ole Miss fans aren't all that locked into the regular season. I get why they're not. We knew we knew we we knew they weren't going to be. You know, so many people said in the off season. Well, tell me when June gets around, and because it's it's not fair, and, and I'm not sure it's correct. But for a lot of people, you know, the success of this team and and whether you know it, it had a good year or not will be not if they win X games or win the West or win the tournament SE tournament. It's going to be do you host a regional? Do you win a regional? Do you get to a super? Can you get to Omaha? It's all about the postseason. You know, no one's going to evaluate the the contents of this season on how many regular season wins they have, unless they don't have enough and they're you know there are three seeds somewhere. So, it's um it, it's definitely different. It's you know it's very different from years past where it seems like people have been kind of living and dying on every pitch every weekend, and now it's more of a just hey tell me when the postseason gets here and we'll figure it out. You could have one Ole Miss first rounder on your Carolina Panthers. You're picking who? Ooh, um, I'm taking AJ Brown. Um, I figured you'd take Greg Little with all the offensive line issues. I, I thought about it, um, but I, I think AJ is just so good. I think he's gonna be really, really good. And I'm just not sure what to do with Greg, whether he's a left tackle, a right tackle, a guard. Um, I, I, I just, um, I, I think AJ would be a perfect fit. Would do so much. Um, Carolina loves to move guys around, put them in the slot, put them outside. Put him with McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore. You got a, you know, you got a lot of guys there that can make plays and make plays after the catch. So I would, I would pick AJ. It surprised you. If you had, if you had those three for for Dallas, who you taking? It surprised you, Greg Little. Interesting. Tyron Smith. I would have health wise. DK and just kind of pair him with Amari and just kind of you you do that. Michael Gallup came on. Randall Cobb's in the slot. They inexplicably kept Alan Hearns, but Alan Hearns is on the roster. <laughs> Actually, if you made me pick one Ole Miss Rebel right now, I'd pick Dawson Knox. But I'm talking about the first-rounders. Yeah, I'm taking Greg Little. Because Greg Little can back up Tyron Smith. He can back up, uh, you know, Leo Collins, maybe slip into some guard play. Travis Frederick's still banged up, so if Zach Martin needs to slide in and be a better center than Joe Looney, Joe Looney started every game for the Cowboys last year at center. Give me Greg Little. <laughs> Tyron Smith, I'm worried about him. I'm worried about the health in the back. He's no longer the best left tackle in football. Left hole, left tackle is a black hole, left hole. Yeah, you just kind of worry right with, with guys that, that big. You know, Once they start getting some nicks and bruises and, and just can't stay healthy, you wonder if they're, if they're ever going to be able to get back to – being what they were because he's so good when he's healthy it's just you know with guys that big and that kind of size you know they just can't stay healthy forever he's still a top 10 left tackle but oh, easy, top 10 easy. is not what he was which was far and away the best I mean, he was the football. dude he was yeah. you know a couple years ago if you're telling teams hey you get to pick a left tackle to kind of build your line around everyone's taking him and it's not the case now you can still be good you're right but it's definitely um, been a, a tough couple of years for him in terms of stock and health and, and just overall play. Thing is, the Cowboys don't have a first-round pick. They're picking 58th with their first pick. So. Yeah, at least he hit on Amari, though. I mean, he was he was undoubtedly good. I was I was skeptical of that, you know, giving up a first-rounder for him. Yeah. But, um, you know, you've got to pay him now, and you're paying him more than you pay a first-round pick. But um, he's also better than whatever guy you're probably going to get there. At and you whatever. most assuredly don't get to the playoffs without him. No, no, not at all. Not at all. So credit to them, you know, it's a, what, 24 or 27, one of the two was, was their pick. And um, for a back end of the first round pick to get what Amari gave you last year, hard to argue with that. Jarkel Joyner is an Ole Miss Rebel, will not go on scholarship immediately is the way I understand it. So, yeah, but he's still an Ole Miss Rebel. Ole Miss basketball recruiting, it's going strong. Kadeem side visits next week. Ole Miss baseball this weekend. That's it. We have nothing else to talk about. <laughs> we have nothing else. <laughs> 
I think that's you know it's a, it's a good time of year. It's um you know spring it's football. It's a hard is done. time of the year for podcasting. It is, it is, especially when you're going multiple times a week. But and I can't talk about Game of Thrones because I already did the night is dark and full of spoilers with Maester Daniel, which was going to be a part of this podcast. If you want to check it out, it's on iTunes by itself. The night is dark and full of spoilers. Actually, more people have listened to that than my first podcast, regular Talk of Champions podcast this week. Now both numbers were really good, but it was hilarious to me that that has got more people. Love I believe it, man. Everybody, everybody's all about the Thrones, and it's the last season, so everybody's kind of. I felt like even more so than in years past, there was so much social media stuff on Sunday about it that it was just kind of felt like it was kind of everywhere. So definitely seems like attention's at an all time high. When does Bennett Hip start Game of Thrones? Um, I'll start. I'll probably it'll be a summer thing. Um, now that once it, whenever it ends, the season ends, and I'll just binge it once it once it's done and over with. So, um, I'm just, now it's about kind of avoiding spoilers for the next couple of months or whatever. I know it's what. It's a seven episode season, nine six. episode season. Six. Six. Yeah. Um, so just kind of dodging spoilers for the next month and a half or so. And then uh, I, I, I know some things, but um, I don't want to I don't want to have the ending ruined for me because I won't watch it. So as long as I don't have the ending spoiled, I'll, I'll pick it up this summer and just kind of binge through it. You'll appreciate my post Game of Thrones strategy. I'm saving Deadwood. I've never watched Deadwood for after. Oh, Game man. Of Deadwood is so good. It's um, it's very different from. What I, you know, have gathered from the Thrones, it's just, uh, it, it's so much fun. It's, uh, if you haven't, if anybody else hadn't watched it, uh, it's on HBO Go or whatever. It's fantastic. It's great characters, funny. Um, it, it's really, really good. I'll never miss a show like I'll miss Game of Thrones, and I miss the hell out of the out of the wire. But Game of Thrones will be different. So I figured in my post mortem, as I'm <laughs> dealing with my sadness of Game of Thrones being gone, Deadwood will be a nice palate cleanser for me. Yeah, it's definitely different, and it's and it's it's weird because we're in an era now where there's just not that. You know, there's so much TV, and there's so much you can watch. And I feel like a lot of people, myself included, will you know Netflix will drop a season and we'll just kind of binge it. It there, it's rare that everyone has a show that you go week to week on, and it's as big as Game of Thrones is. You know, Mad Men was that for a while. Um, but you know, breaking not, bad was like that. Breaking bad was like that as well. There's just not going to be as many of those going forward as there were, you know, the last few years. So it definitely, um, definitely stands out as one kind of the last big kind of feels like kind of, I don't know, pop culture changing TV shows that the game of Thrones is. So it's definitely, uh, definitely stands out in that regard. I don't feel like we'll ever have another one of these culturally obsessed, focused we're all watching at the same time kind of tv shows right. ever again and that's yeah, it, sad it definitely feels like the last one of, of that Event era television yeah absolutely i mean you know when when Mad Men was on Mad Men, the first few seasons especially that i mean that was appointment television appointment twitter and and you just kind of get on and that was your hour and game of thrones is the same thing for you i, I know and um you're definitely right i don't know where the next one would come from it just kind of seems like the end of an era He's been at Hip. I'm Ben Garrett. Thanks, man. We'll talk again. Absolutely. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.